It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Back cut, Gordon Hayward to the rim. Rock the Casbah! Bolly you slam dunk G-time! You are locked on jazz. Your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It is November 22nd edition of Locked On Jazz. We're going to go on a little journey and look at the Jazz defense. And is there anything really wrong? We'll look at the big picture, shot location, synergy numbers, player impact, lineup impact, and then take your questions on a Facebook Live edition of Locked On Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice for the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. So glad to have you aboard watching live on Facebook. Why you want to see me live, I don't know, but maybe it's so you can enter, enter in your questions. I'd really appreciate that. We're doing it on Tuesday. We usually do the Shamrock Auto Group live shows on Thursday, but Thursday's Thanksgiving, so I figured you didn't want to hang out with me. I mean, I'd hang out with you, but I figured you didn't want to hang out with me. So we'll... Uh, We'll do that today. Today's uh, show is brought to you by Shamrock Auto Group as well as My Simply Smarter. And we're glad to have uh, all of our people together. Uh, this show today, I'll, I'll come back with you tomorrow, Wednesday, and then Friday. I don't really know what's going to happen. might depend on how the game plays Wednesday or what's going on. We'll give you a postcast. Maybe you need something to tune into Friday morning uh, when you are uh, out being dragged around from shopping mall to shopping mall. Um, you know. See what, you know, see what you might. Maybe I can, maybe I can join you on one of those shopping trips. Don't you think? Uh, this is Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We have a show for you every Monday through Friday. And uh, plus postcast, feel free to subscribe on iTunes or whatever your podcatcher is. And if you can give us a five-star review, uh, we'd appreciate it. There's a new Locked On NBA with Sam Amick, who is a fabulous USA Today writer. It's a really fun conversation. So make sure you go grab that uh, podcast. And then if you have a favorite NFL team, we have a Locked On, uh, that version as well. All right. Uh, we start every single show with our pins across uh, the world, which is our little kind of journey around the world of where our little Locked On Jazz community has grown and what it has become. And then we're going to dig into the defense today and see if we think there's anything really wrong uh, with the Jazz defense. It hasn't been great during this four-game losing streak and uh, find out what's going on with that. And we're going to look at the following items. Uh, big picture where we rank. Defensive shot location. We're going to dig into the synergy numbers. Then we'll look at individual player impact, and then we'll look at uh, the lineup impact. So big show on that regard, a lot of stuff, and we're going to kind of do the journey together. And then I'll take your questions on things, if you don't mind. It's, uh, I always struggle with, my, uh, with the Facebook Live because there's always no stuff coming at me, but I'm going to try to stay focused. Let's go to Thomas Lynn Griffin. He is in Taiwan as our 
pin across the world. I'm currently serving my LDS mission in Taiwan. I'm in Gong. I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, I came from Syracuse, Utah, and I have been a big fan of your show. I was hoping that if I waited until Taiwan that I would make it to your show. Uh, you just did. I tell everyone in Taiwan about the Jazz and to start watching them. My whole family's big Jazz fans, and we watch every single game. My older brother got me listening to your show, and I listen to every podcast until I left on my mission. I have grown up cheering on the Jazz. My favorite player is Joe Ingles. Go Jazz. By the way, speaking of that, and, and Thomas Lynn Griffin in Taiwan on your mission, there's your pin across the world. We got a uh, pin across the world a while back that had um, that someone said that they, they were on their mission. They used to read Empty the Noggin, and that was their way of kind of keeping up with the jazz. And so if you'll notice that the first part of Empty the Noggin now is a quick summary of the game. I didn't used to do that. That is actually for – I called it the mission update, and then – Various people took that out and decided they didn't think that was appropriate. So that, so y'all know that's the mission update. That's my missionary update for all the jazz fans out there that are on their mission that are sneaking around still trying to find out about their jazz. Are you actually even allowed to do that? I don't actually know. What is your abil- What is the right or wrong media consumption uh, aspect of things? All right, let's dig in. Let's dig in. Uh, let's start off with big picture where the jazz. Defense rank. So right now the Jazz are the 10th ranked defense in the NBA, which really is not that bad. In fact, overall, the Jazz are the 13th ranked offense in the 10th ranked defense. For a team we all think is struggling and in trouble and with all these injuries, it's really pretty good. Uh, Portland, by the way, has dropped to 30th in the league defensively. They've got a real problem. So our defensive rating is 101.6. Offense is... Average is always kind of like 103.7. That's kind of where the 15th-ranked team is again this year in New Orleans. Um, So anything under 103.7 is above average. Anything under 100 is really elite. There's only three teams in the league that are doing that right now, Atlanta, Clippers, and Miami, and they'll probably be less just kind of the way the game's going. Charlotte, Oklahoma City, and Memphis are all sitting at 100. So that's that's the level we'd like to be at. So, yeah, we're sitting at 101.9. It's a little higher uh, than we would like it to be. So what's let, let, let's look into what's going on. And the way you look at this, big picture analytics, is you look at the four factors. This is made by Dean Oliver in his Basketball on Paper book. And those four factors are how you're defending the shot, effective field goal percentage, how often you're fouling compared to giving up shots, putting people at the line, how often you're forcing turnovers, and then what your uh, rebounding rank is. So if we take a look at the Jazz right now, the Jazz are the sixth best team in the NBA against the shot. Pretty good. Pretty darn good. So we start wor- like we're worrying about, eh, maybe not that big a deal. 11th best at not fouling. Pretty good. We're 28th in turnover rank. Now I'm working on a project that I have not finished yet about how big a deal this is. Um, I'll hopefully have this for tomorrow's show. What I have done is I ran through, um, I ran through a bunch of years, and actually this is a bummer. My work didn't save. I was on the plane, and the internet went out, and I never, I must have not saved. So I've got a lot more work to do. But so I don't have all the actual data here as I was hoping, because I just went to the page and realized it's not saved, and that's really a bummer. But. Uh, What I have found is through the last five years, looking at the 25 worst teams in turnover rank, more of them are in the top half defensively than the bottom half. Now, it's hard to be top five 
defensively and in the bottom five in turnover, forcing turnovers. So there's a little concern there about what's going on, uh, but not a lot. I, I, it's less of an issue than I thought. It doesn't mean you can't be good defensively, but it might be preventing us from being truly elite defensively, the fact that we're 28th in the league at forcing turnovers. We are the fourth best defensive rebounding team league. And there's a little game here. So what we're doing defensively is we're, and we'll get into this in a second with shot location, is we're playing this kind of contained defense, running people off the three-point line, and then we're getting them into the mid-range area or things of that nature, and we're then rebounding out of the positioning. Now, you go try to force more turnovers and get more aggressive. Suddenly, maybe you're not in rebounding position. Suddenly, you're giving up more open looks. You're not six. There's a yin and a yang to all this. You've got to be awfully careful about on how this is playing. So that's the first thing. Big picture where we rank 10th overall defensively, 6th best against the shot, 11th best in free throw rate, 4th best in defensive rebounding rate, and 28th in turnover rate. So we're not forcing enough turnovers. If you want to be negative Nelly and just go try to find um, one of those uh, items out there, you can do that. By the way, I just saw on the bottom, because I'm trying not to, but I do, that my buddy Sunil, who I played high school baseball with, great dude, fabulous, uh, if you're looking, if you're in the Bay Area, you're looking for a jeweler, free plug right there for Sunil. Uh, just want a little shout out to the high school. So one of my high school buddies just tipped in. So tip of the hat, my man, uh, out there. All right, before we dig in to shot location, today's show is brought to you by Shamrock Auto Group. They bring us all the live shows. They are a car dealership out of Pleasant Grove, Utah, that really believe that they can try to do car dealership in a different way. One is they live by the return customer. So if that, that, that's their whole game is whatever they can do to have you come back for your second time is what their game is. And that's they're going to create a family of customers that enjoy it. And if you go look at their Google reviews, it's unreal what people are saying about them. Uh, Kirk Wright wrote, after purchasing a car 15 years ago at a large auto dealership from a jerk of a dishonest salesman, we vowed we would never buy a car from a dealer again. But then we noticed the car we were looking for at Shamrock Auto Group. We decided to pursue it, and with great hesitation, but then Brigham and Callan quickly eased our hesitation with a friendly, knowledgeable, no-pressure business manners. They made a deal perfect for us, and we got our dream car and a great car buying experience. If you are considering purchasing a car or truck in the next few weeks, maybe Maybe surprising someone with all, or you know someone who is. Tell them to give Shamrock Auto Group a call. At least experience it. One, they'll save you money. Two, they'll get you a super nice vehicle. And three, they'll give you a buying experience that's quick and pleasant. That's the way it works. So call a Rob eight zero one three one nine twenty two fifty eight zero one three one nine twenty two fifty. Really, I mean Rob. Just Rob. Rob Taylor is their owner, not Thomas Taylor. And you just. Call him. Like, I just gave you his number. That's kind of the whole deal right there. That gives you the whole uh, breakdown of kind of where they come from. 801-319-2250. That is his cell phone. They're going to give you out-the-door pricing in five minutes. They're going to test drive by yourself, buying experience in under now, full-service financing, in-house extended warranties, value-driven, Carfax and everything. So what kind of cars? Largely, they're in Pleasant Grove, Utah, in, in Utah County. What do you think? How about the Cadillac Escalade 2010 for 29 How about a Chevy Suburban for 48 Yeah, I mean, we're talking about the Utah County, you know, boom, here he come with a family in the car, and Shamrock Auto Group is going to take care of you uh, for whatever it is right there. You run down there on their website, it's, there's the Honda Accord for 16 9 2011. And if they, if you don't have, they, they don't have the car you want, 
Talk to Brady. Talk to Kellen. Talk to Rob. They'll go see if they can find it for you. Shamrock Auto Group brings you today's edition of Locked on Jazz. All right, so let's go to part two, shot location. Uh, and let's kind of look at where the Jazz are and where they rank. So defending the restricted area, that's what we should be really good at. That's Rudy. That's Jeff Withy. That's Derek when he plays. We're the third best team in the league at defending the restricted area. Pretty good. We're the 11th best team at defending in the paint, non-restricted area. Pretty good. That's like where you want people. They're, league average, by the way, at the rim is 60%, 1.2 points per shot. League average in the paint, non-restricted area is 40%, 0.8 points per shot. Mid-range league average is 39.5. And remember earlier this year I said people are shooting a crazy number on us. It's come down to 41.4. We're 24th in the league there. It's fine. If people want to shoot that shot, that's fine. Corner three. All right, this isn't great. We're 27th in the league at defending the actual corner three shot. All right. What's going on with that? And we're 15th in the league at defending the above the break three. All right. So we're great on the restricted area. We're great in the no pain area. We're not great in the mid range, something which it doesn't matter. Corner three, people are shooting 43%. League average is 38. Frankly, that seems a little high, but let's go look at whether there's something going on there. And we move here now to defending those shots. And this is probably even more important. So we're 22nd in the league at prevent, of allowing shots in the restricted area. People are getting some shots in there, but they're shooting it badly. Probably not that big a deal. Um, we're the second-best team defending in the paint. We're allowing a lot of shots in there. Nah, it doesn't really probably matter. Three-point shooting. We're the fourth-best. Fourth-best at the NBA at preventing three-point shots. And we're the number two in the league at preventing corner three. Number one in the league at preventing corner threes. All right. So what's happening is that we're not giving up corner threes. When we do, they act, we've had a breakdown. They're open. They hit the shot. But that's pretty awesome. We're the number one team in the NBA at not allowing corner threes. Strong. Really strong. Restricted area. And the three-point line. That's where you want to prevent people from shooting. We're ninth best in the league at getting people to shoot in non-money spot, money ball area. Okay, really good. Really good. So the defensive system. So what that tells us, one, where we're supposed to be good defensively, we still are. Two, the defensive structure and system that Quinn's put in is fabulous because we're not allowing the corner three, which is the highest percentage shot in the game, other than the restricted area where we defend beautifully. And we're ninth best in the league at getting people to shoot in the areas we want. That's really good. Really good. I just happened to notice Brandon Whiteside just dropped in, but teams are driving all over us. You know what? A lot of analytics say that the best defense in the league is force people to drive and protect the rim. Get them off the three-point line, force them to drive, and now protect the rim. Teams are averaging 1.1 shots for, against us at the rim compared to 1.2 league average. Corner three is a 1.14. Above the break three is 1.03. We're really pretty good job in all those regards. So those are the first two things we are going to look at today is where we rank in shot location. Now let's go play with some synergy numbers. And let's see where we rank defensively on specific actions and things that are going on uh, in the game and see if there's anything we can find. 
And what we're really finding out, by the way, is we're the 10th-ranked defense in the league, and we're pretty darn good. So far, the discovery is we're good. We've been missing our point guard in George Hill. We've missed in Derek Favors for a long while. And what we're finding out, I think, thus far in this little research, is that there's nothing to worry about. Now, here's what's interesting. We rank 30th in the NBA last at defending the pick-and-roll ball handler. How is this possible that we're 10th in the league defensively, doing all these things well, and we rank 30th in the league in points per possession against the pick-and-roll ball handler? 18% of possessions are against that, and we're poor at it. I, that might be an impact of George's injury. This is a mystery to me. I was surprised when I saw it. So my quick thoughts are this, are that we're defending the corner three really well, not allowing it. We're forcing that ball handler to make a play, and they're making plays right now. We may have played. I haven't really looked at who we've played. Uh, we'll see. Remember how we weren't off our uh, we're defensive rebounding well. If you look at our offense, by the way, we're not offensive. We're the number one team in the league in transition. Okay, that's good. Here's another one. We're the number one team in the league at stopping the roll man. All right. Well, maybe there's something there. Maybe we're too cognizant. Of the role man. Maybe Rudy doesn't want to let his guy score, and so Rudy doesn't slide over the ball handler. Maybe we're just dropping Rudy back, and so we deny the role man that's allowing the point guard to pull up in the mid-range and hit some shots. Okay? We're the 28th in the league in spot-up. What that is is we're not allowing it very often, but when guys are getting the spot-ups, they're hitting. How about isolation breakdown? We're 23rd in the league on isolations. Okay, so not great. Uh, but otherwise, we're pretty good. When your number one league in transition is probably the key to all of this. Really, the key to all of it is to find out what team allows the least amount of transition. Because that's really the key to everything that's going on here, is you want to prevent transition defense. Or be in transition offense. That's where offenses are productive. And if you look, we allow right now... The elite 10.9% of opponents' possessions happen in transition. We're the number one team in the NBA at keeping people out of transition. That, you know what? Whatever else we're doing, that's the answer. That will work all year long. Teams are getting 11 possessions a game against us. Uh, they're getting, their, their percentage of possessions is 109 their points per possession, I can, I'll sort for you on that. Uh, <clears throat> we're number one in the league at that. So we're number one in the league defensively getting back and preventing people in transition. And we're number one in the league of when people do get transition, they're not getting opportunities. So as much as a lot of us are probably talking about our offensive pace of play and how it drives us crazy, that is probably the key to our success. And that's the key to being good is that transition defense right there. I have found today's exercise quite interesting. I hope you have as well. Uh, if you're, if you got a kid, you, you've got, you've got a. You know, let's assume you have a child, uh, unless you want this for yourself, and they maybe need a little academic help, or maybe they need just a little push to get a tiny bit better, or maybe you have a student athlete who can improve their athletics by being smart enough to understand the game. Then let me introduce you to MySimplySmarter.com. MySimplySmarter is from the NACD, the National uh, 
Association of Child Development, an international company based out of Utah. I've been a supporter of the Jazz uh, for 13 years. And NACD uh, is a group right out of Ogden. And what they do are is an online program. Well, really, My Simply Smarter is this. NACD is the big company. My Simply Smarter is the program. It's an online program you can do anywhere you have a computer for 10 to 20 minutes a session, three sessions a week. So kids with learning challenges, I mentioned, typical kid, you let them achieve a little bit more or simply start. It's a personalized exercise online that help you build a strong foundation for learning, can help your ability to focus to process, to retain, uh, to analyze information. I know what you're thinking. Like, I should take it. I agree. I've been totally thinking about it uh, with all the... Absolutely. But what it does is with short, fun activities, it builds that build an intensity. It allows you to really get to be better at executive function. I, I can give you all the details of it, but frankly, what it does is allows your kid to just practice building their brain a little bit better. And so... Because the same way you would your bicep or anything else, it's a muscle, and they're gonna fig- they have figured out how to use it correctly. And the cool thing as a parent is you get emails, you get updates on what they're doing, you can be involved in it in that sense, uh, encouraging your kid, congratulating them on their success. So check it out, mysimplysmarter.com. It's from ages six to one hundred, so maybe it's good for you as well. Uh, and they've got some really cool things. They'll take an introductory element, and then it starts to customize for you. It's sold monthly or yearly, and if you use the promo code Locked, you end up with twenty percent off. For life. That's right, 20% off for life. In fact, if you just want to, uh, you know, since we are this locked on jazz community, just go email Laird directly and he'll answer your questions for you. That's Laird, L A I R D, at NACD.org. L A I R D at NACD.org. It's mysimplysmarter.com. All right, let's look at individuals. Individuals. And then we'll look at lineups and then we'll get to your questions. Uh, it's a lengthy show. I should just not do it. All right, so what happens when George Hill leaves the game? Our defensive rating when George Hill's on the floor is 103.3. When he's off the floor, it's 100.7. What? We've been better defensively on without? Makes no sense. What about Derek Favors? Bing, 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 bing. 95.8 when Derek's on the floor, 104.8 when he's off the floor. This is a little disconcerting. One of the keys to the season was whether or not we could be good defensively with Derek and not Rudy. It shows like we seems like we have been. What about Rudy? 99.8 when he's on the floor, 104.5 when he's off. Ooh, okay. And there and then we don't have Derek. How about Jeff Withy this year? 99.8 when he's off the floor, 112.6 when he's on the floor. Oh. How about Trey Lyles? Second year player, usually not very good defensively. 103.8 when he's on the floor, 99.5 when he's off the floor. Oh, how about Boris Diaw? 107.6 when he's on the floor, 100 when he's off the floor. Oh, and therein lies some of our deep where it feels like we're not as good defensively overall because of the fact that when Derek's off the floor and our second ter- team lineups now, when Gobert leaves the game, when he gets his second foul at the 804 mark of the first quarter in Denver, we suddenly feel like we're not very good defensively, and the reason is because we're not. So that's a little bit of a concern. Jeff De- Dante Exum, same on and off. Joe Ingles, a little less good on. We kind of would have expected that. Shelvin Mack, we're a little better when he's on the floor. Rodney Hood, basically dead even. Much better defensively when Gordon's on the floor than off, interestingly. 97.0 when Gordon's on the floor, 105.3 when he's off. That has not always been the case. Joe Johnson's about even, a little less good when he's on the floor. And we talked about Rudy. 
Okay? So then let's go to the next part of this. This is going to take a minute or two uh, to, for me to pull up, and that is lineup data. And let's take a look at – we. first thing is five-man lineup data is almost ridiculous to look at right now because of the fact that uh, we have only – with all of our injuries, we only have five lineups all season long that have played more than 20 minutes together. Five. And, frankly, they're all pretty good. The starting lineup with Boris Diaw instead of Trey Lyles is a plus 13.5 with a start of 103.1. The starting lineup with Trey Lyles instead of Boris Diaw with Dante Exum is at a 90.9. It's great. It just can't score so far this year. The starting lineup with Shelvin Mack, Rudy Gobert, and Derek Favors has been incredible defensively. And the starting lineup with the back the backup line or the starting lineup that we uh, without Gordon, but with Joe Johnson has been good, not great defensively, but incredible offensively. Fact is our five primary lineups have all been our six primary lineups have all been well above average defensively. One of them is at a 103.1. So that's not well above average, but they're all above average. And four of the six are well below a hundred. So suddenly there's no problem. So where's the problem lie? Where do we suddenly get, Bad defensive ratings. Well, when we've had, and again, only 17 minutes, but Dante, Rodney, Rudy, Boris, and Rudy, one game, played 17 minutes together, didn't work defensively, hasn't played together again. Okay, here's a lineup that's played just a very little bit, but Trey Lyles, or Shelvin Mack, Joe Ingles, Gordon Hayward, Trey Lyles, Rudy Gobert, three times, hasn't defended very well, only 12 minutes. And then um, are actually... Our starting lineup that we expected to see all season long has only played 12 minutes together, and they didn't defend well in those 12 minutes. I'm not too worried. I think that's called a bad sample size. So I, I tried to figure out, like, well, what would be the – do we look at two-man groups? We could look at two-man post groups. It's kind of the one thing that I always look at, and then we'll go get to your questions today. So two-man post groups are always what I try to look at with the Jazz and figure out – um, whether I can see anything defensively in that regard, and you're going to have to stick with me as I kind of run through them. So Rudy Gobert and Trey Lyles' defensive rating together is a 105.4. Not great. Remember, 103.7 is average. We want to be kind of below that to between 100, and anything below 100 is great. So suddenly when you replace Derek Favors with Trey Lyles, our defense goes to 105.4. Okay. That's, that's not great. Uh, continuing down, looking for the next. Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert together. 96.3. So if we have those two on the floor together, we're like the best flipping defensive team there is. Okay. Uh, continuing down this road a little bit, as I keep looking for a few more here. Derek Favors and Trey Lyles, interestingly, has been great defensively at 93.5. That was kind of what the Jazz were using to open the second quarter. They couldn't score. They couldn't score, but they were great defensively, which makes the defense even more impressive. So the question of whether we are going to be able to defend with Derek Favors as the uh, as the five this year, so far the answer this year has been absolutely. be nice to get him back. Uh, continuing down, Boris Diaw and Rudy Gobert together have been a little bit be- right below av- above 102.9, so right about average, a little better. So that's interesting. Boris just so good fundamentally in how he's supposed to position himself in ways. Jeff Withy and Trey Lyles, 113.9. Okay, well, this is where you get injured, and suddenly you've got these lineups on the floor, and that one's not working. That's a disaster. That, 
That big man combo is minus 20 so far. Uh... And I think I've got one more for you, but we are moving now into, like, not having played very much together. Boris Diaw, Trey Lyles together. They uh, only got 38% of the rebounds when they're on the floor for 17 minutes, and their defensive rating is 128.7. Okay. So there's some lineups here that the coaches would probably like to have. Boris Diaw, Derek Favors together, which I think is the lineup I would have loved to see. They've only played 12 minutes together all year. Oh, my. Think about how good a catch Boris has made Rudy in regards to catching the ball. And now, if you imagine if you had Boris on the floor in that same circumstance. All right, we've already gone. I knew it was going to be deep. 27 minutes. Let me see. Maybe there's a way for me to get these questions off of um, off my Facebook page in a way that I don't have to reach down to the and scan through. Uh, by the way, yesterday was just a great event. Um, I really – oh, I can. This is awesome. Uh, yesterday, just the feed – this organization's the best. It's just so – the Millers are incredible. The community amazing. Uh, it was great to be a part of the feeding the, – helping the homeless or those in need of a meal around Thanksgiving. All right, let's go to the various questions, and let me see if I can get through all of them. Uh, Scott says, to, curious, do coaches look at this line? They do. Right now the data's pretty small. You better If you're a coach, you're probably a lot better off making a decision based on your instinct rather than making the decision on that data. I mean, if you think, wow, I don't think Rudy and this works, and you go look at it, it's there, then that should just reconfirm it. But I'm not sure I'd make a decision based on this yet. Alan Dangerfield, the past couple of games, it seems Rudy Gobert gets one to three foul calls that a player like DeAndre wouldn't. What does Rudy need to do to be respected by the official? I don't – I'm not big into that's. I mean, I, I don't know because I don't really know if I agree with the premise of the question, so it's hard for me to answer. I have to go back and look at Rudy's fouls and figure out whether I think that's really true. Some of Rudy's fouls have not been very smart, um, particularly those out on the floor. Maybe that's only one or two, but um, that that's my thought is that Rudy needs to be smarter with some of his fouls. Um, Colton. Do you think transition defense numbers are contributed by when we take fouls to prevent a fast break? Occasionally, you'll get a clear path like we did against the Nuggets. It might be. I mean, we're really good at doing that. I hate it. I think the league's got to get rid of that call. Um, I get why we do it. It's it's really smart, and um, it's it's a good move, uh, but I hate what it does to the game. Uh, so I would I would tell you that that, to me, I would love it if we could get rid of, get rid of that. Uh, it is only showing me... For let's see, if I hide a comment, um, it's only showing me four of them, so I've got to go through here. How many years do you think until Ballenboy can contribute? I have no idea. I mean, he's got a long way to go. Uh, most second-round draft picks never contribute, so um, if you get anything out of Ballenboy, it's terrific. I think he's got athletic skills the way he can jump and do some things. Um, and so it depends on where we are as a franchise who's ahead of him. Um, he's just got to learn the game. He's just behind in learning the game. And that's what it's going to give us. Hopefully that's why the coach, the organization though, thinks that he'll be able to, uh, develop nicely is because of the fact that he doesn't know the game. And so he can learn the game. That's why they had him play 41 minutes last night in Salt Lake, just to get that experience. Uh, all right. I've got to those, got to that. Adam, Adam says pace of play. Our pace of play, which is we think hurts us offensively, is helping us defensively. You've got to figure out the yin and the yang. 
the thing I've noticed is we have 10 to 15 less possessions a game than our opponents. Is that not rebounding or turnovers or something else? Uh, well, we don't have less possessions. We might have less shot attempts, and that's probably because we're not forcing turnovers. And then you've got to look at free throws also. So there's a deeper dig there, but you can't have 15 less possessions than your opponent. The league rules mean – I mean, it's just – so you're phrasing it in some capacity um, there. Uh, if and when we have Rudy and Derek, do the defense will become better – uh, when you chase teams off a three-point line, the paint were favored. Yep, absolutely. And the one thing also is that you could play Rudy more aggressively on the pick and roll and try to force some more turnovers because you have a secondary line of defense. Right now, you can't afford to have Rudy get pulled out. Teams are trying to pull Rudy out onto the floor. We can't go hedge the pick and roll because now they have Rudy at 25 feet away from the basket. And if you have Derek in the game, then Derek's there for the rim for secondary rim protection. Or you can switch with Derek and have Derek go play those guys and Right now, we don't have the capability of doing that, and you're seeing more and more people are putting Rudy in the pick-and-roll, and it's also probably why teams are number one in the pick-and-roll shooter is because we're dropping the big because we don't want Rudy to get away from the rim. Right? It all kind of intertwines. It's pretty interesting. If you're a basketball junkie, I feel like today's conversation has been pretty interesting in that regard. If you're not a basketball junkie, you're absolutely um, falling asleep. Uh Quinn does not want offensive rebounding. He seems to have made a quantum switch. Offensive rebounds are a big problem. Leads to second-chance points. Right, but we're the fourth-best defensive rebounding team in the league, so we're doing a pretty good job with that. Um, Keep going. It feels like this team, with all the injuries, has become very soft. Guys are out uh, with what sounds like a bruise. So I I think that's bull crap, honestly. I I actually think it's absolute beep. I really do. It pisses out of me. You don't have any beeping idea what their medical situation is. You don't. I mean, you really don't. Do you know what Derek's prone booze is? Do you know whether Derek, for all you know, Gordon's finger's still broken. He's just playing through it. For all you know, George has torn ligaments and he's trying to fight it. I don't know the answers to these questions. But you don't know. So, I think it's crap. I think we're, I think we've played soft when we're on the floor occasionally recently. But I don't think it's fair to say the guys who aren't playing because of injuries are soft when you don't know the answer. I think it's really, really unfair. Maybe you're right. As much as you might be wrong, you might be right, because I don't know. But I think it's really unfair if you don't know to go there. I mean, obviously, you typing on your Facebook Live to me, I'm killing you, Jason. I, I love you, kid. I'm not trying to just annihilate you, but I'm having a little fun here. Uh, you know, obviously, you typing on your little Facebook Live, I mean, you obviously are are, are inf- indefatigable and never struggle with, come on, right? You don't know. So I think that's garbage. I really do. I, I get it. it I, I'm just close to blocking anybody who ever says it to me. Uh, not you, but on Facebook or on Twitter. It's just garbage. I get the frustration. I want George Hill to play too, but I also know what George Hill, I've talked to him enough that I know he's not, trust me. Right? I mean, he basically has his thumb immobilized 24 hours a day except for when he tries to play basketball. All right, well, clearly it's not great. I've got a bunch of people who have emailed me about bone bruises who told me about it, it takes him 12 months. Okay? But they've never felt right. You looked at Derek Favors playing the game. Did he look like he felt very good out there? Or did he look like he was gaming it? How about every time Gordon Hayward gets hit on his hand? How does he look? So I think it's crap.
Why is not Neto not playing more minutes? Coach trusts Shelvin Mack a great deal. Shelvin's able to play offensively and make some plays when we're short guys right now. And if he has a good night, then he's really valuable. But he is a little bit of a box of chocolates right now. Some nights he's been pretty good and carried us to a win, and other nights he's not. Um, and Neto probably doesn't have that same ability to go put the points on the board. He's a much better shooter, though. He spaced the floor more. He does take a long time to get that shot off. I think it's a legitimate question. I think the coaches are probably talking about it, and I think as often as these cases are, as, as much as once you make the final, um, as much as you once you make the final decision, it has to be a hundred percent, zero percent, because that's what you decide. It's probably not that. It's probably a fifty-five, forty-five, right? Maybe it's an electoral college popular vote thing. I don't know. But it's pretty close. I don't think that's a crazy question. I don't think the coaches think it's a crazy question. I think they just have to decide which guy they're playing. Um, jump, shooting, jump shooting teams are not scary. Forget analytics. You have you make your baskets. Hayward lacks the ability to step up above the starter role. He can't carry a team. How long until the league stops? What? I don't get it. Um. Again, on, on the Gordon thing, I guess we're going to do this all year again. You're right. He's not Harden. He's not Westbrook. He's not Lillard. He's probably not even DeRozan at this point. He's scoring 30 a game. Like, he's not one of the 10, 12 guys in the league. He, you know, it's where Paul George has an edge on him is that Paul George can drop 30 in a game. Gordon did that once, I think, all last year. That's not who he is. If that's who you want him to be, you're going to be very disappointed. Okay. Is he one of the top 20 players in the league? Maybe. 22, 23 right now? Probably. If he's struggling, he's not. But overall, as a player, he's right in that group. Is he one of the top 10? No. I thought Lyles would demand more minute, demand minutes from favors this year, but given the opportunity, he has not seized it. Any reason for his bad shooting sophomore slump? Because he's 21. I mean, I think give him some time. Like, he's, we're 15 games in the season. He didn't shoot well to start the year. He's looked a little better the last few games. He's evolving. We're watching him get better. He's 21. 21-year-old players are not very consistent. Most of them aren't very good in this league. Look at the Timberwolves, who are oh-my-God talent. Oh-my-God talent. Andrew Wiggins, Zach Levine, Carl Anthony Towns, they blew a 20-point lead last night in the fourth quarter. Um, Jeff Withy has regressed this year. Yeah, or was used really well last year in a way that he... Or, or, I don't know. I mean, I agree. I don't think he's playing great. But, I mean, let's... Jeff was... New Orleans chose Alexa, Zinka, Omir, Ashik ahead of Jeff Withy. So they, they didn't think he was the greatest player ever in their lives. I like Jeff an awful lot. I think he does some things well. I think he... he his problem is he does some things well and other things not as well. Do you think Joe Johnson can comfortably lead a second unit charge while getting the other guys involved, or is he strictly an ISO specialist player? I I, I don't think that should be his role. I think he's a complementary player at this stage of his career, and I think when we're healthy and have enough depth, you can rotate Rodney into that second unit to play with Joe, and you can rotate Favors into that group when you have Joe. Um, so... Uh, I think that 
that's not how you need him. I think he can go get you a bucket. I think he's a great – he's our best three-point shooter. He's an incredible spot-up shooter. And I think he's better playing off people now at this point in his career. Jason uh, comes back. Love you. Uh, just wanted to see what you thought. It's just an opinion. And you know what? A lot of people have it. So I appreciate you asking it. And I apolo- my tirade was not necessarily directed at you, just more the concept. Much love. Uh, with Dick. Was Derek's knee soreness during the preseason, the bone bruise, or do you think that he got hit during game? I don't know. I haven't talked to Derek uh, along the way. Somebody asked me the other day why he didn't go on the road trip because we have enough staff now that the way it used to work is that when someone got hurt, if they stayed at home, well, the strength and conditioning coach and the trainer and all those guys were on the road. We now have a director of rehab. His name's Nixon. And so he stays home with Derek and helps Derek rehab while the strength and conditioning coach and the trainers and all those guys, assistant trainers, go to – on the road with the rest of the team and work with those players. The staff is now deep enough so that a player can stay home and exclusively research, or excuse me, rehab rather than have to take plane flights during that period of time. Does that make sense? Uh, so that that's kind of one of the developments. Do we miss t- Trevor Booker? Uh, probably. Some of his toughness we miss. We don't have a tough guy right now. Boris is not a tough guy. Joe's not a tough guy. Yeah, we don't. Yes, and Rudy... Probably needs to do that, but he's got to stay out of foul trouble. Yes, I think we miss some aspects of Trevor Booker. I think there's a limit on what Trevor Booker can do, but I don't think there's any question that some of the intangible stuff we miss out of Trevor Booker. Uh, If Gordon is really hurt, why is he playing through it? It hurts our team. When we put him in the main role, could he be hurting our team? So on one level, we want guys to play when they're not hurt, and then – then on the other level, if they play at all hurt, we get mad that they're not perfect. So I don't, I don't know. Um, Clayton says, I had a bone bruise in my knee. I literally literally thought all my ligaments were torn. Most painful and longest lingering injury I've ever had. Um, Colton, what I've learned on this podcast, we need favors to be a top five defensive team. I think that's absolutely right. I think the idea of us trying to be a top five defensive team without Derek Favors is probably unrealistic. All right, I think that's a great way to end it. Good job. Thank you very much. Um, Thank you. Appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks to Shamrock Auto Group. If you're looking for a car, give them a try. Help out our sponsors. We get the show for free. They're supporting the show. Support them as part of the family. If you get it, if you know someone's looking for a car, tell them to look it up. Check out Shamrock Auto Group. Take the drive to Pleasant Grove. See what they do. See if they're different. See if they if they don't have the car you want. If you don't want their 2011 GMC Yukon and you want something else or their 2015 Cadillac Escalade they have, then if you have something else, ask them. See if they can get it. If not, then go somewhere else. But give them a shot. Shamrock Auto Group. And to MySimplySmarter.com. 20% off for life with your promo code uh, locked. You can cancel your subscription at any time. The first five days, seven days are free. Check it out. It can help out in a great way. I think we all want to do everything we can for our kids. So, All right, long extended show today. Hope you enjoyed it. Talk to you soon. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.